Barclay and Barton on the Premier League, brought to you in association with Pitch Publishing, the UK's leading independent sportsbook publisher. Also in association with the Sports Freelance Collective. With Walk Wag Play, a dog walking and training company in Cardiff, doing right by your dog, follow on social media at Walk Wag Play. And also, Tony Park Consulting, helping you and your business grow. Tony Park Consulting at gmail.com. This is Barclay and Barton on the European Championships. I'm Wayne Barton, football writer and author, joined um, by Paddy Barclay, fo- retired football writer but not retired author. How are you doing, Paddy? The European Championships. Oh, eh? I'm loving these European Championships. Can't wait for the semi final and final at Wembley. Can't get a ticket though, I don't know about you. Um, but uh, yeah, especially with England doing, doing so well, eh? Yeah. In these these uh, 2020 European Championships, which, contrary to rumour, have not been postponed. And we're pretending that they're being played right now. So what do you think of it? It's been brilliant, you know, England doing a lot better than expected. Mm. You would say that, but Gareth Southgate has been doing a quietly um, superb job for a couple of years. Paddy, yeah. for me, the game of the tournament... Possibly one of the greatest games in European history, Portugal yes. versus France in Budapest. Oh, Portugal-France, what, what a game that was in Budapest. I mean, and would it have been different if uh, if uh, Ronaldo hadn't been sent off uh, for taking his shirt off after scoring? I don't, because he's been already booked for a scything tackle on Pogba, as you know. Um, but uh, yeah, that turned the game and, and led the way to for France to come back from 4-3 4-2 down to 5-4 after extra time incredible game yeah lovely symmetry as uh, Manchester United's new signing Kylian Mbappe winked (laughs) winked at Ronaldo as he departed the pitch Um, absolutely with Wayne Rooney in the crowd it wasn't just perfect Unfortunately, in the real world, I had to undergo a, a brutal process just before the weekend, full of trauma that will live long in the memory. I had an operation, Paddy, but more brutal than that was Liverpool winning the league. Oh my god! Oh yeah, but come on, that brought you—you uh, know—you're back to earth with reality. But <laughs> I think, uh, I think even you, um, I think most fair-minded Man United fans uh, would agree that uh, Liverpool have won the league on absolute merit. Um, I'm sure we'll discuss this in detail later in the episode, but uh, I'd like to congratulate also the Premier League for the absence of an asterisk um, next to, I mean, there may be an asterisk, but all it will say is that the games were rearranged and played in front of empty uh, stadiums. But they, they, they certainly that nothing has been done to disturb the legitimacy of, uh, of Liverpool's victory. It, in fact, if you go over the... I mean, no doubt we'll talk in detail about how, where they stand in the pantheon of champions, um, uh, both from the Premier League era and, and before. But, <clears throat> but the, the, the plain fact is, I look back over the statistics, I just checked this um, before we started today, they've, they've lost one match this season... Uh, I mean, we're just coming up to, to the game at, uh, at, at, at the Etihad, so we, we don't know the score of that as we speak. But um, 
we at thus far they've lost one match. They lost one match last season mm. and won the Champions League. So it is arguable, and Man City fans are going to love me for this, but it is at least arguable that they've been the best team in the world for most of the last two years, let alone this extraordinary uh, interrupted uh, season that we're about to complete. So um, absolute congratulations to Liverpool and, uh, you know, probably the most unargued champions uh, that, that, that we can remember. You know, there have been a few that have run away with the league, but they've just taken it by the scruff of the neck from minute one. And I'm glad to say that for once in my life, I displayed the good judgment to slap a couple of bob on them. So uh, I'm going to become rich by my admittedly low standards um, (laughs) because of uh, Liverpool's victory in the league. Yeah, I can remember you telling me about that in December, wasn't it? That's right. But you said, at the time, you said, if you want some good uh, omens, Wayne, it's that (laughs) I bet on them. uh, I'm a terrible, exactly, I'm a jinx, I'm an albatross. But... uh, no, they won despite that uh, that disadvantage. Um, ab- absolutely fantastic management by Jurgen Klopp. Uh, it has to be said. Um, there's only, and that is another subject that we are. To, I know we're going to talk about later. The only problem is, is a little bit like Manchester United in their treble season. Um, yeah. Uh, that we have now the task. You're now a member. I'm glad to say of. Uh, the organisation I've been a part of a, for a long, long time, the Football Writers Association, uh, and very w- much welcome new addition to our ranks. Uh, and therefore, we both now have a vote for Footballer of the Year, the old traditional award which began with Stanley Matthews in 1947. And we've got this problem, as I say, which re- is a bit reminiscent of 1999, of a lot of candidates. I mean, I've had Virgil van Dyke's you know, face in my, in my, in, in my, you know, when I imagine when I'm going to, where I'm going to place my vote, we've got another couple of weeks before we do it. Um, or we can take another couple of weeks. I've had Virgil van der, and then somebody, I think it was you said, uh, what about Jordan Henderson? Does he not symbolize the team? And I had to admit there was a lot of sense in that. Uh, we then spoke today before we began the recording to uh, friends on, uh, you know, who, who, who follow us on Twitter. And, um, you know, a, a, a couple of mine suggested Trent Alexander-Arnold. A couple of others said, come on, hang on, um, that's for the Young Player of the Year of the fo- uh, Professional Footballers Association. You know, he, de- he certainly deserves that. But it wouldn't be ridiculous to describe Trent Alexander as the footballer of the year. It wouldn't be ridiculous. He pr- I probably won't vote for it, but it wouldn't be ridiculous. It wouldn't be ridiculous to vote for Sadio Mane. It wouldn't be ridiculous uh, to vote for... There was one an, another one mentioned. Uh, it wasn't Firmino. It wasn't Salah, uh, previous winner. Um, oh, who was Fabinho. the other one? Fabinho. For, uh, that's right. Somebody else mentioned Fabinho. And... You could well say that that over the season he played as well as Jordan Henderson, although Jordan Henderson's off-the-field contribution as a personality at the club, his drive has been 
you know, you 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 can see that you, that that he has an effect on the team, a galvanic effect on the team. He lifts them when they're down. He does, you know, a rattling tackle when that's what the crowd want to see. You know, he he just is very much the heartbeat of the team. So. Somebody else mentioned Allison, the goalkeeper. That's not daft because it's a, you know, it's it, he's he's been hugely uh, influential in their both their style of play and their improvement over the last two seasons. Two defeats in two seasons. Well, let, let's start by incredible. talking about how good Liverpool have been. Then um, mm. let, let's get, get it out okay. of the way because we must. <laughs> we must. You mentioned uh, teams who've run away with it in in recent years and there haven't been that many mm-hmm. I mean City of a couple of years ago but we looked at that Premier League and in particular how mm. low the goal scoring was at the lower end of the table so I think mm-hmm. we were in it I think we both even said it might have well been the worst or the weakest Premier League season mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. T- you know overall table the weakest table overall um, mm-hmm. we're going back to runaway leaders apart from that City team you had the Chelsea teams under Mourinho the first two they well, certainly the first one they probably got it sewn up and the second one really they got it sewn mm-hmm. up pretty early on um, United 93-94 I can't really apart from nine, the season after the treble there weren't that many times they'd absolutely run away with it and 93-94 mm-hmm. they'd got pretty close by Christmas hadn't they I know Blackburn mm-hmm. pulled them back but um, this Liverpool team pretty much by November you were looking at mm. them and thinking oh my yeah. god they, they look imperious and one thing I will say about this Liverpool team yeah. Yeah. and this is something that we have talked about we talked about it in the the first United success after mm. Chelsea was um, and I gave Ferguson Sir Alex Ferguson so much credit for this I was saying look at what he did he he took on an opponent in, in Chelsea looked at their money and he said well we're not going to match them player for player it's impossible because they've got too much money so we're going to try and accumulate points um, at a faster rate than what they do against the other 18 teams now and I you know that was one of Ferguson's best ever achievements City have done what Chelsea did but better so it stands to reason that with this particular achievement Jurgen Klopp has the challenge is greater than what United faced under Chelsea and mm-hmm. Klopp therefore deserves all the credit for an absolute masterpiece in football management. Now, yeah, so- you can look at them and you can say, well, they've not been brilliant every single week. No, But they've been good, they've been better than the team that they played against and yeah. they've deserved to... I mean, nobody's quibbling about... The, you're not looking at that table... The 27 wins out of 28 games, which mm. basically won them the title, which put them on the verge like any day now they're going to win the league. Then this is before the, the coronavirus enforced break. Yeah. They were going to win it any day. Um, and that was in February. They were talking about winning mm. it in February. They were going to win it so early. And I made a joke on Twitter about, oh, for all this hoo-ha about Liverpool, they're going to win it later than any other Premier League yeah. champion. But yeah, obviously yeah. tongue-in-cheek because they, they were going to tie up much, much earlier than any team. And they deserved to have that accolade by the way because because yes. of the way that they they won the league but that that for me Paddy is the and we'll talk about the team in a moment but mm-hmm. in terms of management because we have to mention Jurgen Klopp we've talked a lot about Pep Guardiola and now how mm. you know we've had different opinions on his management and and mm. the impact it's had on Britain but I would say Jurgen Klopp 
it's up there. For me, he's the best coach in the world anyway with mm-hmm. what he's done yes. with this Liverpool side. Yes. But to get that level of consistency, mm. we're not talking about... Even when United were doing it to beat Mourinho's side, that was remarkable. This yeah. is... I mean, what's better than remarkable? Incredible? I don't know. Yeah. What, what yes. you well, it's, it's state-of-the-art. As you rightly say, he's the best coach in the world. And he's proved it with this... Um, he's, uh, I think he's a bit like, um, it, well, you could compare these little bits of lots of managers, mm. but um, one of the, the great things about Ferguson was that he moved with the times um, uh, and would change his, um, not his basic principles, but would certainly change his approaches to certain things ba- uh, based on the task in front of him. That's exactly what Klopp has done. This time, I mean, you, you, you have to. He's great at picking not only the team, but the team behind the team. They, they clearly the, um, the the game is increasingly. You talk about him as the best coach in the world, and the game is increasingly about little advantages, and he seems to sense where they are. Um, he, I was reading in uh, in in one of the papers a couple of days ago about the back room, the nerds in the back room at Liverpool and, and about the effect they've had on, uh, on Liverpool's style of play. And it is an extraordinary style of play. If you look at the midfield, I mean, their, their chief playmaker is actually one of their front three, uh, Firmino. He's, he's probably the most penetrative passer He's probably more penetrative passer than any of the midfielders since Philip Coutinho went. So um, that's different. But then you say, but the fullbacks are brilliant passers. It doesn't matter if um, if Henderson can be, you know, an occasionally very good passer, but you wouldn't say he's threading it through the eye of a needle every every ball he plays. Mm. Um, uh, Fabinho. Is not a particularly um, uh, ambitious passer at all. I mean, he just keeps the game going, basically, most of the time. Wijnaldum is, well, he's, he's a different kind of player who's changed. He's become almost a defensive midfield player. Um, in, in, you know, he's evolved that way at Liverpool after being probably the best striker at Newcastle. Yeah. So you look at the, mid, the, the midfield players and, and you, you don't see... Um, oh, I don't know. They tell me you, you don't see Modric, uh, Isco, and Chavi uh, and Iniesta. You, you don't see that in their midfield. But you then look at the fullbacks and you say they're playmakers. Andy Robertson and in particular Trent Alexander Arnold are actually brilliant passers. Particularly Trent Alexander Arnold. Yeah. He just makes the play from a different angle and, and that just makes it better that's a little advantage uh, next season maybe it's something that teams will you know have a little bit more knowledge about and will be working on ways uh, although they'll have a short short uh, uh, pre-season as another factor about and, and this is not sort of changing the subject slightly but another brilliant piece of, of management was to make sure that they went away to the potentially disruptive World 
Club World Championship uh, in midwinter to make sure that they had enough points in the bag to make it immaterial how many City picked up in the in the um, in, in the meantime. I mean that was that was incredible. Now obviously you try to win every game, but they deliberately set a killing pace. For, they led from the front, and uh, and that was part of the reasons um, that they had to um, they had to make sure. Uh, that they didn't come back um, to a situation where every point they dropped was a potential, you know, could put them in a position of disadvantage. So everything he did. The, the other thing is, when, when you talk, you, you can talk about tactics, and, and we did have a bit of fun at the expense of those who uh, detected um, a revolutionary fullback play at Manchester City two years ago. But um, the plain fact is that the team that works hardest wins the title hmm. and and Liverpool worked harder than anybody else game after game after game how many games did they win in the last uh, few minutes how many games did they win from positions of relative adversity um, loads I don't know how many but you know it, it you know it, it any, any child would be able to tell you that that they did that um, they just worked and worked and worked. And what's more, if you brought in a player, you know, like even in cup ties, they would bring in, uh, so whoever it might be, they brought in this 17-year-old kid from Fulham uh, for, for one, and he, he looked like Lionel Messi. So they all come in and play at their optimum level. You'd, you'd leave Milner out for, for three or four games, and he'd come back in, and, and you'd think he was playing for his life. You know, he played with such intensity. So, and this was the, the truth of the whole team. There wasn't one that ever let the side down. Uh, and that's great management. Because, uh, I mean, I've spoken before about uh, the, the first thing Jurgen Klopp did when he came to Anfield was form a bond, an almost Shankly-esque bond with the crowd. And that was brilliant. That was brilliant because that bought him time and credibility and everything else. When you've got the crowd behind you, the players follow. They have to. Absolutely. But that, the point that you made there about getting the time, you know that I know um, former United winger Gordon Hill quite well, and he coaches mm. in the, the American game, and he, he has this quote for um, the authorities in America. He says that they like to, they would love to put football in a microwave so it could catch up with the rest of Europe. But... Mm. I'm, using, yeah. I'm stealing that phrase in, in terms of how it refers to instant success for yeah. clubs, especially big clubs in England and United are big victims of that. They wanted it immediately, so they, they go and spend all this money and bring in these coaches. What I particularly take my hat off to Liverpool for mm. was not panicking with Klopp when... And there was a little time, probably, and he'd been in the job for a couple of years, where... Mm. There was a win percentage. His win percentage was same as Roy Hodgson and David Moyes at United. So yeah, United yeah. fans were delighting in that. But we all knew, we all knew that it was that was not David Moyes' Manchester United at Liverpool. We knew that something yeah. was was different there. And mm-hmm. what is particularly great for I mean, as a football fan, obviously not as a United fan because it fills me with dread that Liverpool are going to dominate because they've got everything in place to do so. I look at that and I think 
you've had all this money at sea, and like you said, we joked about you know revolutionising fullbacks and then going and spending 130 million pound on on three new ones, mm. and that City have been able to do that, and that Chelsea were doing that, and yes, it was it did bring them instant success and and somewhat lasting success as well, but that Liverpool, yes, with no little resource, they've been able to do this, but they've done it with their own resources. They've done it adopting yeah. football's true philosophies and principles of give yeah. this time, build, give it patience, let it naturally develop, and you will get something greater than can be manufactured with money. And mm. that is to be massively applauded. And mm. as a United fan, I can only say I wish that we'd done it as well and we had everything in place to do it. It's mm. an indictment of United's mismanagement um, that we haven't done it as much as it is a celebration for... for yeah, I, 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 agree. I agree absolutely with that. The players that have been developed from within... Uh, Trent Alexander is the obvious example, but the signings, whether they've been signings for big fee um, or the right kind of fee, such as Virgil van Dijk or the or the bargains, such as Andy Robertson, um, uh, or the, the sort of mid-price ones, um, Keita has yet to, to to show his true worth, I think. But uh, by and large. Everybody has been a success. Um, they've all played to pretty close to the optimum level. Uh, and you, you, you're quite right that Manchester United or any other club that wants to match them is going to have to reach that level of energy and efficiency. Now, there are signs of Manchester United beginning to go down that road, beginning to achieve a bit of that. I've noticed in the, in the play of um, of Martial, who I thought was a duffer before, a little bit of fire in his belly for the first time, and uh, and, and a ditto Pogba, and you know you wonder if Bruno Fernandes is going to be a sort of mini uh, mini Cantona catalyst. Uh, let's let's keep a lid on that particular uh, level of excitement, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And, um, but, Ed, but they have got a long, long Absolutely. way to go yeah. to do it week in, week out, the way Liverpool do. And as you say, I mean, if you were to do a, a playlist of their greatest performances this season, it, it, would, it, would be, um, it would be pretty short. But if you, were to, if, if you were to do a playlist of their bad performances this season, it'd be a blank tape. Yeah, yeah, they won in their in their period, which would be referred to as their squeaky bum time. Yeah, yeah. we're pulling pulling it back a couple of months because their their squeaky bum time was in December and January. <laughs> they ran, yeah. they won ten games on the bounce with one mm. goal conceded in that. Mm. It's just an incredible run, and that was a run where City were desperate for them to drop points for the momentum yep. to slip. But they said no, we're going to do what even you couldn't do. And yep. we're going to just tie up this title so early on. Um, it is going to lead, and but I don't think this is a discussion for today because we're 31 games into the season as we record. They've won yeah. the title by being uh, Palace 4-0. I think it's too premature, and I don't think it's fair on Liverpool because we haven't seen the season pan out, mm. but to discuss where they stand in, no, in the greatest champ. I, th- I think we can come back and do another episode on that. I'm not trying to buy myself work, Wayne, but you'll bear that in mind, won't you? Um, they, they, 
the, the, yes, look, there are seven games to go starting at, uh, at the Etihad. Um, if they lose all of them, Liverpool... They um, won't care. They won't care. They won't give a damn. I mean, Klopp's first thing was to say, we're after the records now, we're after this, we're after that. But what all the city of Liverpool wants is to be called champions. But it's quite funny, isn't it, while, we, while we're talking about this. Um, Manchester City have won the League Cup, right? Yeah. Manchester City are probably favourites to win the FA Cup. And they must be considered in with a very good chance of winning the Champions League. Yeah, another treble. Not quite the treble of the... But no. in some respects, just as impressive. No, but... No, but, it, it, you know, the, the, in other words, the, at the moment, we're talking as if the gap between City and Liverpool is the gap between tomorrow's, today's team and tomorrow's team and yesterday's team. It, it, it might not turn out that way. If City finish with three trophies, it will be, be quite interesting, especially if we've already cast our Footballer of the Year vote. You know, if Raheem <laughs> Sterling scores a double hat-trick in the Cup final, then a treble hat-trick in the Champions League final, will we have put our vote in the wrong box I don't know I don't know I'm just saying things can change very quickly and and we shouldn't it'll be quite interesting I would um, I'm thinking of trying to win a bit more money on Liverpool uh, we're coming up to the game Man City Liverpool and I'm, I'm thinking of putting a bit of money on City to win <laughs> well because Liverpool put it this way it can't have been perfect preparation can it you know, party, party, party. Well, I can give you some good omens for that because okay. City, judging by the um, their bumping form this season, they should win mm. because they've never lost more than one game on the bounce in the league. But look, mm. I mean, you look at the, the league table, they've lost set, one, two, three, four, five, eight games in the league. The Chelsea game was the eighth. Mm-hmm. They've never, their longest unbeaten run is five games. They've never gone more. They've never won more than three in a bounce on in the league. I mean, the mm-hmm. drop in consistency from City has been. Mm. I mean, to, let's get this right. City could have matched their form from last season, and and that was miraculous enough. And it wouldn't have been mm. enough because Liverpool are better than than that. But yes. there's no um, explanation really for what's caused Chelsea uh, City to drop off so bad I mean you could say Vincent Kompany's um, retirement that's, that's, that's what I was going to say I think he's had a massive influence uh, negative influence since he went to yeah. Anderlecht and um, I, I think it, it, it's not really so and you might say well how many games did he play in the title winning triumphs 13-14 a season something like that mm. starts and um, but his influence around the place, his experience, his in, in, in intense intelligence. Um, I think you could draw comparisons with, um, well, obviously uh, Keane at Manchester United, but Vieira very much at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, look at how they missed him. And um, I think, you know, you don't have to be playing every week to be an influence at the club. I think that would be that would be one definite factor. But what exacerbated it was that his natural replacement as the best defender, uh, Emmerich Laporte, Laporte, was uh, injured for most of the time. Um, yeah. And I think that that sort of 
threw petrol on the, on the flames really as far as City because it's not a, been a bad season and it could be a great season for them. It, uh, you know, it's not over and it won't, you know, with a bit of luck, it won't be over for quite a couple of months yet if, if they go all the way in Europe. But um, it's, uh, it, it, they've certainly been uh, second best in, in, in the league this, this season. And, uh, and those, are, those are two of the main factors. Um, you, can't, you certainly can't point at David Silva in his last season. Uh, you can't say he's let the side down. You can't say that he's shown signs of age, really. Um, you, you, you can't say that Mares hasn't played well. He's played well when he's played. Uh, you can't say that Aguero, has, his powers have faded. Um, so it, it's, it's, um, I think it's just been that defensive wariness and also, when they've had to play Fernandinho at uh, centre back, uh, where I don't think he's, where I think he's good, uh, I disagree with those who who say, oh, he's not, it's not his position, and so on. I think he can play there, um, but you lose one of the best holding, you know, defensive midfield players in the world yeah. if you play him at centre back. So um, you can't play him in both positions at once, much as he no doubt try. Um, so, yeah, I think those have been the main reasons um, that they've been undermined at the back rather than any failings at the front. Ironic in a way that they lose company and he only cost about the £6 million, £7 million pound when mm. he came, mm. but the, the things that he brought were the things that money can't buy. Mm. <laughs> and that's yes. what still cost City of all teams the... Um... That's, all, that's right, but you see, you, you talk about... You, you talk about... You know when I said before, the team that wins hardest wins... The, the team that tries, that works hardest, wins football matches. I really do believe that. I don't think there is a correlation, a direct correlation between money and success in football. I think that's a, a, a slight fallacy, and I'll explain why. Money buys your dedication. Why do you pay 15 million for Shearer? Because he's always working, mentally if not physically, for every minute of the game. And that's what company did. Yeah. Every minute he was in the service of Manchester City, he was thinking, he was working. If he wasn't playing, if he wasn't blasting in shots from 30 yards against Leicester, he was contributing within his intelligence and his nous to the club. And uh, I think that's what money... That's, that's I mean, OK, yeah, you're right. He wasn't one of the most expensive players. But Aguero was an expensive player. And with Aguero, you've got a striker who never stops moving, mm. who never stops thinking, who never stops trying to gain an advantage, who never takes a breather. So, yeah, hard work is, is what you get for your money. And uh, look, look at Sadio Mane. Now, he could be, he could be the, the footballer of the year. Look at his work rate. Look at his athleticism. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, that's, that's, that's what you get. That's what you get for money. City then um, they've also one thing that we should say while they've been sort of regressing in the league is they've mm. obviously been distracted by wanting to do well in Europe and mm. you mentioned it earlier that they're in a good well they're, they're, they might be running out of time mightn't they because <laughs> of UEFA on their case yeah sorry but yeah I mean if they are to complete this season's tournament and let's hope mm -hmm. that they do for their for their sake they um, overcame Real Madrid in the first leg of their round of 16 game. Mm. Uh, the the more conclusive thing about that was that they were obviously the better team. 
and mm-hmm. you think that they're going to progress into the, you know, you think that they'll easily overcome them in the second leg as well. So, where it stands then, Paddy, I think we're on, you said about Liverpool earlier on being mm-hmm. the best team in Europe for the, the next two, uh, last two seasons, last two years. And I, mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I think that they still are, regardless of not being in the competition anymore. So basically, mm-hmm. it's the best team left in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that Manchester City would take that as a, a not-so-small consolation prize? Oh, God, yes. I mean, it's, uh, it's there to be won, in my opinion, the Champions League. Um, I, I really think this is a great opportunity for City to do it now and of course given the threat to their participation in the next Champions League um, it's it's one of those things that Sod's Law makes happen in football isn't it mm. um, and um, it, it would be odd if uh, if just at the time that uh, they're under that they'd probably be the only team actually to win the Champions League while under a ban um, but but there you go. It is a, a very strange game at times. But uh, I, I do think that it that it is there for them. And um, uh, you know, I mean, okay, they've had a, a bit of a rest, so they should be in peak fitness when it re- restarts. But there again, that will apply, of course, to to every team. Every team left in it. I think Juventus. Um, I, I don't think Bayern. Are, this, are, are, are as good as they were um, and uh, I, I do think this, the City have got a really good chance especially if uh, Laporte is able to play Yeah, one thing I would and we'll talk about it any second now um, but the the change in the, the sterile atmospheres I think that helps the better teams like Bayern and Man City because they're able yeah. to put on these performances that seem like um, training sessions uh, which I guess is exacerbated by the circumstances around the games but especially mm. when you're watching it because because they're so dominant um, Bayern mm. obviously in Germany but City in, in England as well let's talk about this then because obviously the reason mm. for this podcast coming into being was because of the coronavirus and the enforced sort of um, lockdown for everyone to mm. to suffer through, um, to call it suffering compared to what um, everyone, well, many other people have been through is is not a suffering at all, really. But um, no. the we talked about Liverpool and City, which are the two key stories that we had to discuss. But the third one from this nineteen twenty season, and possibly the most dominating of all, is the fact that the coronavirus, which was mm. uh, an illness that's infiltrated these shows from January mm. um, basically in March it halted things completely because Mikel Arteta the Arsenal manager was mm. tested positive for it and the league was postponed immediately till until mid-June really so it was three months mm. around 100 days or so um, mm. like I said it was the reason for us coming in to doing this podcast yeah. because we needed something to do um, yep. and we had conversations obviously when we were recording it was never the right time to talk about what we thought about this and I think having this time, having the hundred days yeah. or so, and having seen the way that they've dealt with everything, it's given us all the proper perspective that we need to, yeah. to discuss it properly. Um, mm-hmm. If you don't mind, Paddy, if I explain first, because I, I know that we we do see yep. it rather differently. You you are such a keen football fan 
that mm-hmm. I know from talking to you, you were so heartbroken that it wasn't there. And we would have 10 minute chats before recording episodes, or you would draw scenarios for me that yeah. in which football should return. And could yeah, return. that's right. 30 minute matches, I can remember. <laughs> and then they were great. But I, I remember thinking at the time, just because it was so it was so tragic what we were seeing in the news and i was so disillusioned by the idea of coming back to football i just felt it was just such a bad idea just leave it until and you know this idea of football being nothing without fans i'm sure we'll talk about that in a little while mm, mm, um, mm. i don't know who said that um, <laughs> he was attributed to some Matt Busby. Um, yeah, i'm sure he i'm sure he would never argued against it being put in his mouth but the, the idea, you know, I agree with the the sentiment, you know, football not being nothing without fans. And mm. I felt the way that they were talking about, the way they could come back, that it, it just felt it would be too difficult. Um, I felt mm-hmm. it would be too difficult for it to, to be yep. um, valued in the same way. Um, I'm not saying that... It, I, you know, I don't agree with that, the, the asterisk idea, because obviously Liverpool had won the title. What I always thought was... The competition would change far too much with all these different mm. rules that they were putting in place that just stop the competition. Award it however you want to award it, whatever you think mm. is fair. Don't put the asterisks in there. Just give award it as you need to award it. And then whatever you're going to do moving forward, mm. treat that as its own thing um, yes. for as long as you need to. However, however, mm-hmm. we have since come into the Premier League and they have restarted it. And whilst we'll talk about the, these rule changes in a moment, you know, I, I'm not completely against it. I've watched it, you know, when United were going to play Spurs in the the first game after it, I was looking forward to it. And then mm-hmm. United have played these games subsequently and it is different. Mm-hmm. I want my team to to win a football match. Do you know what yes. I mean? It's, yes, it's, I, it's so I, strange. I think I think you know, and, and I remember those conversations that we had, and 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 uh, I don't know if I, we talked about it on air, but uh, I was all in favour of uh, concertinaing the rest of the Premier League into into a long weekend, three thirty <laughs> minute matches a day, um, just simply. To, to, to help to legitimise the remaining issues such as relegation, fifth place and of course the title so um, I have to thank the people the clubs, the Premier League clubs and the Championship clubs uh, and UEFA for the way that they have preserved this season, they have removed the need for asterisks apart from uh, you know, one-legged European games, um, but that that doesn't really matter. Um, the um, uh, in in terms of the the Premier League, um, uh, you know, I don't think there's any need for an asterisk now. Mm-hmm. And and I just must, you know, as a fan, I I would like to I, I thank uh, those who made the decisions for doing them properly, and I I, I thank everybody who helped. You know, that the government helped with medical advice on safety and so on um, we've got football back it's the right thing to do it's it's pumped something back into the economy even if it's only um, taken a few of our taking a bit more of our money to give to Sky and BT <laughs> um, but it, it's 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 been all part of the get back to work and get back to normal 
strategy. Who knows? It, it, there may be other interruptions down the, the line. There may be a spike. There may be. But the football has now done its best. Um, and uh, as I say, I'm, I'm grateful. Doesn't mean I like it. Doesn't mean I like football without fans. I've only had one moment of real excitement. Uh, so far, can I just tell you about it? It didn't happen in the Premier League, but I'm a, I, I, I love my Fulham, and uh, they were playing at Leeds a few days ago. And, um, you know, super team Leeds, by the way, what an asset they're going to be to the Premier League next season. They've got some very, very good players. Um, I, can but, I just interrupt there, Paddy? But yeah. While you're talking about Leeds and unpopular opinions when yeah. Jose Mourinho was dismissed as uh, United manager I canvassed the idea for Bielsa coming in as United manager you know following oh, as the Cantona molding uh, manager <laughs> you know the controversial foreigner and mm. I, I'm happy with what we got that you know I'm a big fan of Bielsa uh, uh, but I, I don't know if the style would be right for Old Trafford you know they, they let um, when we when when Fulham went there, we had tons of the ball. We could have scored enough goals to to win two games, uh, and yet the scoreline as we left said well, and we didn't. But as our, as the Fulham team left, said Leeds United three, Fulham nil. And what's more, they were value for it. They were tactically absolutely brilliant and had the players like the boy Phillips, the holding midfield player. God, he's a giant. And uh, but he wasn't the only good player, you know. That Fernandez, the midfield player, he can pass like Glenn Hoddle. He's amazing, and, uh, and and you know they had good players all over the park. I like the right back, you know, the long-haired lad. Um, forgotten his name now, Luke something or other. And 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 you know a really really good side. But um, there was a very funny moment at Elland Road because they were playing the, the crowd noise, of course, and it was very good, you know. <laughs> Singing, marching on together, and all that, and um, and uh, it was it was almost at times like the real Leeds atmosphere. They had fans' faces, including uh, Chris Kamara and so on. And uh, anyway, the, the sub came on. I've forgotten his name now, but uh, he, he actually scored in the end. But he came on, and they did a, a typical Bielsa break, fantastic engineered break, and. Uh, this lad shot and there's this tremendous roar as the net ripples but of course it's the outside of the net we can see that so even the fake crowd and I, I felt like taunting them you know making rude gestures you know the way you do when the crowd cheers <laughs> it's really funny but uh, no our laughs have been few and far between it's been very sterile hasn't it watching with either no crowd or or just crowd noise not just that as well and, and by the way to, to close on that um, if we do do a Premier League 2021 I'm sure that hopefully we will um, Bielsa yeah. Bielsa's leads will be great to talk about oh um, absolutely but can't wait he talked about the sterility um, and you know the lack of fans yes there's that but it's also I think there's a change in intensity there's the water breaks now and this only applies to the games that I've watched, and I haven't mm. watched every game, but maybe maybe around a third of them. They all feel like they take five or ten minutes to get going, um, yeah. I and mean, maybe that's true of every restart of a season. You would you would see it like that, but it still feels like that a little bit more. 
um, because I think that the players are getting used to the surroundings, the different atmosphere. It takes a little bit more wherewithal to galvanise yourself to, mm-hmm. to play without the, the crowd on your back. Yeah, um, they've done well overall. Oh, yeah, I mean, they have done, and they have warmed up, and they've put on, you know, they, they've played pretty well, and it's not been too dissimilar. I mean, you've watched Manchester City play pretty much like Manchester City. You've played Manchester United. You've watched mm. and Liverpool play like Liverpool as well. So it's not yeah. like they, they, they're not lacking in their identity, but there's the substitutes, the five substitutes, which I really do not agree with as mm. well. Um, the lack of fans, like we've already talked about, and, and these water breaks as well. The fact that all the fixtures are being played around the clock for television. These are big changes, Paddy. We'll talk about what that might yeah. mean for the future going forward. But what do you think about how they are impacting the spectacle of what we're seeing at the moment. I, I think we're learning as we go along. The water breaks, I think, are a terrible idea. Um, I can under, obviously they were put in because we'd be playing in the, in the summer mm. um, or deeper into the summer than we we normally do. But do they have water breaks during every World Cup match? Mm. I, I don't think they do. I don't think they should. And um, I think, you know, for heaven's sake, it only lasts 45 minutes um, and a, a half. So I don't I don't agree with the water breaks, but I think that in any case, there should be... I mean, I've seen water breaks during games when that the rain's teaming down. Yeah. You know? Just the like last thing they need is water. Just like exactly. <laughs> Just look up. Just look up and uh, open your mouth, and uh, instead they're having these water breaks, and 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 yet what they really need is Steve McLaren's umbrella. You know that it's just it's just nutty. It looks silly, and uh, I think the water breaks should be only, you know, should be dependent on on the temperature and the conditions and uh, medical advice rather than part of the game. But you know. You can well believe that uh, there will be pressure from advertisers to, um, to, to retain them as part of the game. Uh, and therefore, the football will look at that as, uh, you, you know, you could, you, you could argue that um, people would be more likely to stay and watch an advert during, an, a, 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 you know, half time. Yeah. What do you do? You go and get a cup of tea or something or a beer out of the fridge. Um, you, or, you, you know, you, you're not necessarily glued to the adverts or you go and quickly go off and have a pee so you can come back and hear Graham Sunez talking. You, the, you, you're not, whereas with the, the water breaks, it would be a nice time to slip in an advert. So there will be people talking about that and that will be a very bad thing for the game. The, the continuity of the game is, is, the, is its greatest strength and... You know, I think VAR has already had an, an adverse effect on the continuity of the game. And uh, it, it's simple, the, the, the ability of fans simply to enjoy it. So I do see that as a, as, as a further danger. Uh, VAR has to be uh, sorted out properly. It's been... But that, 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 I'm, I'm changing the subject. To go back to that, I, it's the water break that I particularly think is a pernicious idea. Um, you know, the five substitutes, uh, I'm sort of kind of, you know, I, 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 I don't feel as strongly as you do about that. I, I don't like it, and I think we should get rid of it as soon as possible. Yeah, he's 
when United played against Norwich in the FA Cup, they made six because mm. they were allowed to make an extra one in extra time. Mm. Mm. I, you can't change half of your team in a football match. It no. is ridiculous. I, it is. And I, I and say it, that as like, you know, so I'm saying this is a United fan. United mm. played against Sheffield United. They've won the mm. game mm. Um, with 20 minutes to go, 15 minutes to go. They make five subs. Mm. Yeah, what they can't do that, do you know? No, it 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 sort of stigmatizes the game as a friendly, doesn't it, or a testimonial? It it feels like that, yeah. Yeah, it it does. I I I don't like. I I agree. I can. You know, I have your uh, dislike of it, and and as I say, I want to get rid of it as soon as possible. It's just that I suppose it's a way if you're winning of putting something in the legs of a player that might help him in the next, you know, if they've got another fixture on the Tuesday, you know, Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday. I'm sure there are reasons for it, but I don't like it any more than you do. And I say, as I I said that earlier, I say that as a Manchester United fan, with the fact they can bring on five, um, yes, there's still a dropping quality of those five substitutes, but nowhere near the dropping quality that Sheffield United would have to mess about with if they have to make the five changes. Um, mm. I, I don't think it's fair um, mm. on on, yeah. on teams like that. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Yeah. Um, anyway, but you mentioned this about the um, you know the the water breaks and and the substitutes. They all tie into this. Um, you said about how television companies might see this moving forward. So how much of of what we see now, Paddy, is making yeah. the best of a bad situation, and how much of it feels like it's an experiment for what we might see in the future? Because I I, I can't mm. help but feeling that they've taken it like it's an opportunity rather than you know make you know just getting through what we need to get through. I think a lot of these things might be here to stay. I I wouldn't be surprised, having observed the. Uh, uh, football people over over many years. I, I I think your analysis might be might be correct. I just hope uh, that you, they prove you wrong on this occasion, and uh, that they only incorporate things that are that are good and pure uh, about the game. I, and as I say, uh, I I do think that they have retained as much of the legitimacy as this season as they could, consistent with. Um, public health so they got the main call right uh, but let's only time will tell if your suspicions um, about certain other experiments are proved right yeah um, I think we're both on the same page by saying um, the right actions were taken to postpone the competitions in the way that they did it and to come back they've been immensely sensible with everything Um, and I share what you said earlier in applauding the authorities for the way that they've conducted um, the comeback. It, you know, it's not football as we know it, but it's football <laughs> that yeah. was desperately needed. It's, to. it's a it's a damn sight better than than nothing. But it, it's funny you talk about crowds. Um, before you you move on, Wayne, I'd just like to say that I've become um, nuts about uh, something that Sky have been putting on New Zealand um, Super Rug. You know the the uh, elite rugby. The club rugby in New Zealand, they've got crowds there, you see, because they've, um, well, touch wood, they've um, eradicated uh, COVID-19 from their society. And so they allow crowds, you know, they all sit cheek by jowl in these stadiums, which 
often have 20, 30,000 people in them. And, and it's great entertainment. And I must say, given the choice, I'd rather watch that with a crowd than a Premier League match without. And, um, you know, I'm sure it'll be different once the crowds are back. Um, but uh, they might have to work a wee bit harder uh, for our affections than they than they used to. Yeah. Um, let's go on to the big topic then. Can be... I just say what? Can, yeah. oh, sorry. What is the big topic? I, it was going to be the player of the season. We were going to get. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. We're going to get into that because we've had a lot of help <laughs> from uh, people uh, uh, on 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 Twitter and 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 other things. So yeah, we have had a lot of help from um, our Twitter friends. So I'm going to read through some of the tweets and see if that helps you co- yep. come to your own conclusion. Because you said that you were struggling mm. between two names. I yep. I had three in mind, but we'll get onto those mm. conversations in a moment. So Mark Bishop says Hendo for me. I don't think mm-hmm. he means anyone apart from Jordan Henderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rob Humphreys says Henderson. It's about the journey. Greg yeah. Paul yeah. Henderson and Kevin De Bruyne by any chance both been excellent for different reasons I think Anderson is more nostalgia through his journey uh, mm. um, rather than for the season alone personally he would go for Trent Alexander-Arnold um, mm-hmm. Gary Himsworth should always be the best player if anyone thinks that's Jordan Henderson they need to give their head a wobble Gary, yeah. Gary's a good mate um, he listens to my United podcast as well I'm please don't come and give my head a wobble in a moment. Um, (laughs) Michael Noller says, De Bruyne has been wonderful. Sadio Mane has been consistently good, but Alexander-Arnold should be young player of the year. Obviously, we're talking, like Paddy said, the football writers player of the year, um, not Mm. the young player. Um, Sadio Mane, for me, says um, Tony Pezzalisi. Grant Robin says, suspect it will go to Virgil van Dijk. The best player in the Premier League head and shoulders is Kevin De Bruyne, but I would give it to Sadio Mane. Um... Lucas Stigner for the best <laughs> fullback in the world. I think someone's messing about with, with that one. Um, Not good, bad though. Good, is he? good as he is. Um, <laughs> Brent McFarlane as a neutral. Kevin De Bruyne has been the best player in the league again. To give it to Anderson would be a crime. Um, AFC Charlie says um, Van Dyke's been better than anyone by country mile. He's probably mm. the best centre half in the world. Um, Russell mm-hmm. Cook says best individual in the league is Kevin De Bruyne it's separate arguments really um, I think at this point because people mm. are confusing the the issue um, someone Peter Dennehy says this is going to depend on criteria and how the season ends but really I think mm. it's the right time to to make the award yeah um, I think uh, I think it's the right time certainly to talk about it because we do have another couple of weeks Wayne to yeah. make up our minds um, so there's no reason why anybody who wants to influence us uh, should not um, should not um, you know make an argument there's some brilliant arguments there in fact so good um, were those arguments that it's I just feel more confused than ever um, they've made things worse not better because they all make sense and um, I think To to address the point about Jordan Henderson not being the best player, well, I've just given my head a wobble, and I agree that he's not the best player in the league. And for that reason, I was going to vote for Virgil van Dijk, who I think has been the best player in the league. 
this season. But if somebody else made the point was that, that Liverpool are a team and that Jordan Henderson is the cement of that team. Mm. And it means somebody, I, I don't know if you read this one out or no, uh, uh, there was another one that I got and I've forgotten the um, person's name, but I will look it up later. But who said that if you took Jordan Henderson out of that team, they might still have won it. Mm. They might. He didn't say they definitely would. But he said if you took Virgil van Dijk out of that team, they definitely wouldn't have won it. Now, you may or may not agree, but you can see he's making that point. Um, and so I, my vote was, was definitely for Virgil van Dijk. I didn't think about Kevin De Bruyne, funnily enough. I did, although I might have to think about it again if they win the Champions League. So um, I, I didn't think about Kevin. He, I thought he could have won it. I thought he went desperately close when Raheem Sterling won it. Mm. He had another magnificent season, Kevin De Bruyne. Um, but no, this season, I don't think he's... I'm not sure how many games he's played. You might have the stats handy, but I'm not sure if he's... He's missed a few games with injury, hasn't he? I'm not, I'm not saying he's not the best player in the league at this moment at which we're speaking and hasn't been at other points, but I just feel for consistency... Um, consistent excellence Virgil van Dijk has given the best season of centre-half play given that Vinnie Company seldom played more than seldom broke 20 really uh, in terms of league starts um, you know he's given arguably the best display of centre-half football year week in week out that I've seen in the Premier League De Bruyne might make fools of both of us with this because I think the, we're on the same page in the in the general comment of him mm. being the best player in the league. I think mm. that's without doubt. He, but he, he has actually played, I think it's every league game for City or maybe everyone but bar, bar one. It's his best in terms of goals. He's got 10 in 29 league mm. games. So he's actually, you know, he has been... Every he's present. played in every game. But in that case... Still... Uh, Paddy still I mean City are where they are for a reason and mm -hmm. Liverpool are where they are for a reason so yeah you can say that De Bruyne has been yeah. the, the best player but he has still been the best player in the second best team so yeah that's that, that's true and I think it, 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 it would be yeah it's anomalous that De Bruyne would miss out again since he's been brilliant for three years but, I mean consistently brilliant for three years uh, I would say he's almost as good as Colin Bell now no, <laughs> Definitely surpassed Georgie Kinkladze anyway. I think we'll give it. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. And listen, that wasn't that wasn't uh, meant to be a joke at Colin Bell's expense. He, he <laughs> no, was my part hey, was. Yeah. I, I, I was being serious about Colin, but if, if any Manchester City player, all geezers like me, we judge him against Colin Bell, and he has to be really good to for that judgment to be sustained. But yeah, no, it, it may be unfortunate, but it's not a cumulative vote. You know, you don't get anything for being the this almost the best three years in a row, mm. and I just f feel. But what I don't want to do is to be part of a splitting of the Liverpool vote. Yeah, well, I almost wasn't because there was a little period, and this was during the breakdown, and these were, again, it refers to 
conversations that we were having. So mm. I, I was of the mind that I was probably thinking Van Dyke because of how immense that he's been and, and the, that idea that you take him out and Liverpool don't win the league. But that, again, is on the split vote premise. Mm. The idea that I, I don't quite think that Sadio Mane is there. I think he's probably the best Liverpool player, but maybe a little below what De Bruyne is. But Mane is yeah, I, 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 I would If you gave me a choice of Mane or De Bruyne as on a free transfer, it would be the easiest choice I've ever had. De Bruyne would I'd just, I'd just bite your hand off with De Bruyne. Still, I think Mane has been brilliant, and you he's might, been sens- he's been sensational. He's terrifying. You could he's have, terrifying. You could have the argument that he's, or he's definitely up there as the greatest African Premier League player. Perhaps he, he's got no, no. I wouldn't say so. I don't think he's overshadowed Mo Salah. Really, I, 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 I would say that Mane. Mo Salah, Mo Salah scored forty goals. Yeah, uh, his- he has, he has Paddy. But I, yeah, it's all about opinions. I just think Mane. I, I would, if you gave me the choice of Mane or Salah, I would say Mane. But right. I, I honestly, if you, if, you, if you gave me the choice now, yeah, but I'm just talking about. You know, for, contribution uh, overall. I, I, yeah, I, I, overall contribution. I think he'd be among the. Are you talking about the top Africans of all time in English football? I think so. Mane is brilliant. I absolutely, I rate him that highly. I mean, what about? Well, come on. What about Yaya Toure? That's that was my other argument. Is, is it, I think Toure's ceiling is probably higher than than Mane's, but Mane. Uh-huh. He's just got something about him, Paddy, and that. and again, it's one of those you you'd want yeah. to wait and see how we're judging Yoyo Toure on his contribution mm. his entire career in England. I'd like to see Mane's con- complete contribution before I made that kind of assessment. Um, yeah. I, I'm just looking at what he's done so far and and the difference that he's made to this Liverpool team. Mm. For example, if you take Mane out of the front line now for this Liverpool team I think it's much more ordinary than if you took one of the others out I think he's yeah. that good um, but anyway yeah. he's, he wouldn't be Mane and it might be Van Dijk who would be my choice just got, just got you've given me an idea for a podcast the best <laughs> Af- all African team ever to play in England we, yeah there'd be some good talent in that there'd be um, some uh, Georgie Weir he, of course he wasn't at his peak was no. he um, but uh, yeah, the, the, that's a that's a, a, a very interesting question for another podcast. I think I've earned myself another shift. Have I? No. <laughs> you, you don't need to contrive anything with that, Paddy. But the the two the two names that I sell on having decided that I, I can't, I wouldn't vote for Van Dyke. And mm. I may change my mind on that depending on how he does um, in the next week or so. But Jordan mm. Henderson and Marcus Rashford. Now, everyone's listening to saying, Marcus Rashford, what are you thinking? Now, yeah. I'm, I'm telling you, this was only because there was a period in, of time. So at the start of this season, he mm. um, did what I've only ever seen one United player do before. Yeah. He took a step up like Cristiano Ronaldo did. He took a lot of responsibility. He developed yeah. physically. And I looked at him and I thought, the way that he leads in this Manchester United team. Now, it wasn't at the same level as Ronaldo, but in terms of where he stood in the league performances, I thought he's making those strides. And then he got injured, and I thought, well, you can't do that because um, because he's been injured for too long. But then the break mm. comes in, and mm. he becomes basically 
prime minister in waiting <laughs> and we yes. as we all know yes. we, we vote for these things that they're off the pitch contributions as well we we do the journalists the, the, the writers do yes we we actually have it um, it was laid down in 1947 when the first one started that we should be guided not only by the brilliance on the field obviously you wouldn't vote for someone who hadn't had a great season but if if there's a sort of dead heat, you would be guided by the, what was it, precept and example. Uh, and Rashford's example that he gave to society could hardly be bettered um, in terms of his, his lockdown initiative on uh, free school meals. I thought uh, it was inspired. And I know people who are generally very cynical about football who looked at this young man and the way he conducted himself um, with modesty but determination and with a, to a total lack of, he wasn't haranguing the government, he was simply asking politely and he got it. And I think there was massive respect for him there. I think if, if he'd had as good a season as Sadio Mane and and Kevin De Bruyne, that might even shoot him to the top of the list. But I think yeah. it's, it's too big. Even I, even I couldn't do that. Even though I was mm. looking at it thinking, all oh, you know, with tremendous affection. But I, I, I think I agree with that. On on the premise of it being a dead heat, Paddy, that is probably why my vote mm. will go, and I'm I'm still sure of this is going to go to Jordan Henderson because not to the fanfare that Marcus Rashford did, but he did a lot of good will and good work off the field during yes. the coronavirus. He proved, proved himself a proper Liverpool leader. Uh, we all remember the definitive and, 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 and uh, work of, of Dalgleish after, um, and others after Hillsborough. And... Um, Henderson, in a different way, displayed that leadership. He was he was very much the face of that team during the crisis, and and uh, greatly to his credit as a person, he's he's obviously got a, a, a big big personality. You need that to if you take over from uh, from Steven Gerrard as captain as Liverpool, and he'll never be as good a technician as, as Steven Gerrard. Um, he'll never be able to almost guarantee a goal from 30 yards when you need it. Um, uh, or, or be able to pass and, and dribble as quite as well as Steven Gerrard. But um, in every other way, um, and, 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 and to a large extent in those technical ways, um, he's proved himself one of the great Liverpool captains, and uh, and if it carries on like this, well, you know, who knows where he's going to stand in the in the hall of in the Anfield Hall of Fame? Yeah, absolutely. And and for me, I hope that you know, for Gary himself, who said that I should give my head a wobble. Um, <laughs> honestly, when I, I look at it and I think of those criteria, we talked about it being a dead heat and the fact that it is a season like the treble season where the split vote is going to be there and you have you know I'm sorry you can't move away from the fact that Liverpool players should win this award because mm -hmm. of the astonishing way they've won the Premier League it is yeah. astonishing so it has to be reflected 
by the fact it is reflected by the fact that seven or eight of their players are the, the best performers in the league. That's why they are where they are. So then you've got to choose from those players in the best way that you can. It has to be a Liverpool player. Um, and I say that not through gritted teeth. I say that with all um, sporting <laughs> recognition as as a rival fan. And mm. and then when you look at it, and I think Van Dijk's obviously the best centre half. I've already heaps of praise on Sadio Mane but it is that distinction, it's the fact that you've got to look at something different, the thing that, what could push one player over the other in terms of it being a dead heat and the fact that you've got this integral and this integrity side of it from Henderson, the fact that he was one of the first captains to sort of publicly respond to this politician's plea of oh what are the footballers going to do well Mm. Henderson he was almost like a it was the perfect response because it was like, well, here's something we did earlier. We've been preparing this for a while, you know, and yeah. and the way that he stood up to that, and he was one of the front runners in that. Um, in a way that you know, us United fans have given a lot of praise for Rashford for. Well, Liverpool fans equally so should be proud of Jordan Henderson, and um, I've come. You know, we we've heard some great arguments for different people, Paddy, but I, I'm mm. talking myself into why, reminding myself just why. I think Jordan Anderson's going to get my vote. Right. Well, uh, do you want to know where I'm leaning now? <laughs> yeah. I Sadio am... Mane. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, is, it is so difficult, but I'm at the moment. We have got time. Uh, I can't remember what the deadline is. Um, and at the moment, my inkling, despite your eloquence, my inkling is to go for Virgil van Dijk. Yeah. On that note, um, we've got plenty of stuff to talk about from the 1920 season as it goes on and as we will continue to do so. Not just the teams, it's going to be stuff like VAR that we haven't even began to cover in this episode, uh, which has its whole... Oh, that's why it's been so enjoyable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's got its whole other bunch of controversies. Um, in fact, including the fact that it didn't work as soon as we reintroduced it, which is um, a farce that only the British could manage. But we'll be um, back to talk about that in, I guess, part two of an ongoing series of the um, the nineteen twenty Premier League season.
record-breaking season for Manchester City. Um, it was clear that whoever wanted to finish above them would probably have to have their own league be- performance in history. Um, <laughs> would even that be enough? You'll have to wait to find out. <laughs>